to be This is small town music This is big town music He's ahead of his time, you know But he can't use it If only he could prove it Well, tomorrow's just a song away A song away A song away Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me for my second uh, official Zoom record, he's all the way from Denver. You know him as the host of the Hustle podcast. Please welcome John Lamoureux. John. Hey. Hey, everybody. Hi, Pat. How, how are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. How are you holding up in all this? Um, it'll. It's going to sound weird if I say it but I don't mind it that much. My life isn't much different other than recording at home and not being able to record in person. Uh, The kids are both home. They've been home for, you know, two months. Mm -hmm. Pilar works from home. Mm -hmm. Uh, My day-to-day is kind of the same other than going out and doing a bunch of shopping, which we now just have groceries delivered. And so it's not... I mean, it's not that much different. I was just at the kitchen table having dinner before this with uh, with Ezra, and they were asking me what I missed, and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I got going to a movie? I don't know. I mean, because you know, my life is still kind of the same. I'm still doing the same things that I normally do. Luckily, I'm I'm thankful and I'm lucky sure. that that's yeah. the case. And and my kids are. Uh, are 19 and 15 your three kids are give the ages 13 11 and my youngest will be eight tomorrow so look i i'm very uh you know empathetic is that the word towards uh-huh. toward because if i know what my kids were like at those ages and it's much more difficult to keep them what active entertained focused you know my kids are at the age where they can get can get their own food they sleep in, they, 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 you know, and, and you still, your kids still need some, uh, some hands-on care. That's it. And, yeah. uh, as I mentioned a minute ago, my wife and I both started new jobs in the last like month, month and a half. And so, and we're both working from home too. Thankfully. First of all, starting a new job is stressful anyway, doing mm-hmm. it from home when you're, you know, not around other people in the office to kind of glean stuff from is not easy either. And so, it's difficult to keep try and keep the kids on some kind of a schedule and not just let them, you know, look at screens all day long. Right. It's difficult to do. Yeah. And it's easy, but we can't, we don't want that to allow it. Yeah. So it's difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah, It that's, that's, um, I agree with you. If you know, when when our kids were that age, this is the same, these would be the same, uh, things we would be going through, but yeah. How's the weather? I'm with you. It's it's really nice. It's beautiful today, and uh, it has been lately. Um, otherwise, I'm with you. I don't. Uh, there's not a ton that I miss. I'm kind of a homebody anyway. Yeah. But I do. The, I miss eating out. Mm-hmm. Like crazy. Yeah. And um, and uh, that, and I miss going on like a road trip. Yeah. All my we're in Denver, and all of my family, my wife's family too, are all in Utah, and. We typically would make a drive over there once a quarter or so just to see family and hang out and everything like that. But if you and if you uh, five have been quarantined, couldn't you do that? Yes. So we we talked about that. Originally, when this 
very first started, we were going to go to Utah because we figured if we're all quarantining, let's quarantine yeah. together with our family. Right. And then it got scarier and scarier as the days went along. Yeah. You know? uh, both of our parents are, you know, in their 70s. And sure. So we're trying to be sensitive to them. But like my in-laws are here visiting right now. And we are going to go to Utah in a couple of weeks to see family after all. It's just it's been a while. You weren't sure if that was a smart move or not. Right. You and know, it's and, and then compromise anybody. And I think everyone feels weird about saying like a, like, a, you know, my friend and co-host Mike Siegel, he needed to get out of L.A. So he he just went to Utah. And I think people feel oh. like weird saying I, I, I'm going like, you know, even people who my friends who say, yeah, I went to Starbucks. I mean, but they feel like guilty to tell you that, like yeah. they did something yeah. wrong. But I mean, if you're doing what you know you're supposed to do, you know, washing your hands, wearing a mask, all that stuff, you know, and keeping yourself safe and other people safe, it should be fine. We, uh, I agree. And I think if, if it, it's the, it's a collective decision. Yeah. Yes, so it is. If, you know, if we're going to go visit parents and siblings and their kids and everybody says we're okay with this. Yeah. Then we'll do it. And if we're not, then you've got to respect the guy who or the person who isn't right. You know, I, overly careful. I am getting a haircut on Wednesday in two days. And, um, you know, I've I've been in I haven't been anywhere in 70 days, like no Target, no grocery stores. The only thing we do is uh, we go for a walk around the, the neighborhood. We put our masks on Pilar and I and we go for a walk. But I haven't been out in public. So Floyd's Barbershop, it opens at uh it opens at 9 a.m. I'm going in first. There's only two stylists there. So I feel, you know, and I, I cleared it with everyone in the house. Hey, dad needs a haircut. So um, yeah. this is the one time your hairstyle is uh, coming in uh, in perfect. You don't, I'm in good shape. You're in good shape. You don't need, <laughs> you don't need to go. Hair. Yeah, no. mine is, um, <laughs> you know, my hair's thinning. So the longer it gets... It starts to show the cracks in the, uh, you know what I mean? In the foundation, you know, you can see more scalp or whatever. So I need to, I need to look, do I need to get a haircut? I don't need to get a haircut. I want to get a haircut and I feel that it's okay if I wear a mask and gloves and the whole deal and then come straight home and shower and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, but it is like you said, it is a decision. Yeah. You just don't say, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. It's like, wait a minute, dad, you can't just do that. So, well, let me ask you, you said something that's been kind of a hot topic over here lately. Hot topics with John and Pat, hot topics, hot topics. Let's get into it. (laughs) So you, you mentioned when you guys go for walks, you wear a mask. Yes. And I try to go for a walk as often as I can, especially now with the gym being closed. I may, I go for like a two hour walk Mm -hmm. or whatever most days. And, um, but that's the one time I don't need to wear a mask because I don't talk to or see anybody. Um, what if you touch anything? What if you're, if you, and if you're coming down, if you're walking down the street and someone's coming, you go to the other side, not the complete other side of the street, but I might like walk, you know, I might go around them and give mm-hmm. them a six foot, you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, that's the one, that's the one time where I'm like, why would you, why wear a mask yeah. while you're out for a walk? Um, not- I wear mine the whole time we're out. Pilar puts hers on if we're passing people or close to people just, you know, but she just brings hers as a, she yeah. feels like it's a courtesy, but I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it's, I don't think your way is right and my way is wrong or vice versa. I think, you know, if you feel comfortable for that, plus John, you're like, you're like, you're like six feet above everyone. <laughs> <laughs> my, my air 
rises over the top, yep. but my spittle just... Oh, it comes down. Like, oh, did you feel that? What was that? Oh, that Lamoureux just passed. Um, <laughs> John's talking to himself again. So uh, another thing, John's podcast, The Hustle, John lives in Denver, and all of his guests are... You do Skype, right? Mm-hmm. But you do you see the people when you're interviewing them? Not usually because uh, I usually use our home computer, which mm-hmm. is an old desktop yeah. Dell, and it doesn't. We don't have a we don't have a camera affixed to it or gotcha. anything. So sometimes they'll pop on Skype and they'll be they'll be on camera, and I'll say, you know, I'm not. If that makes you uncomfortable, you're welcome to turn yours off. Right. You know, some do, some don't. Gotcha. Um, yeah. But so this hasn't affected you having guests. As a matter of fact, you've had tons and you've been recording with tons and tons of great people. I have more content than I know what to do with. I mean, I, uh, I, I was telling you the immediate family, you know, Kuchmar and um, Wadi Wachtel and Russ Kunkel mm-hmm. and Wadi Wachtel and Steve Postel. Um, there are people who just contacted me and I just interviewed all of them over the last week. So is that and, five um, separate episodes? Five separate episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, so are you going to put those up like in, over one week, like every day? Or are you going to, are you going to hold those for five straight weeks? I, uh, I'm trying to figure that out because I want to, I want to release them every Tuesday. Yeah. Now. Okay. Let's be honest. The tech talk. Guy, now we were, now we're on to tech talk. Yeah, go ahead. Tech talk. Steve Postel uh, ha- is a great musician as well. His resume is sort of the, the, the shortest. Of yes. He's the, the one that's the least well-known. Yes. And so his, we're going to put out as a bonus episode. Uh, the day their single is released is like a, you know, promoting the single. Mm-hmm. The other ones are going to come out on Tuesdays, like regular. And, um, Kuchmar, coach Kurt Korchmar is next week. Cooch. And, Just uh, call him by the nickname Cooch. Cooch. I know. I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> And, but then the other ones, I, that's just it. I'm trying to figure out. I have so many in the can already. Some have been sitting here for like three months. And uh, mm-hmm. do I just keep pushing them off while I move the immediate fan? Or I'm, maybe I'll put them out once a, once a month. Mm-hmm. Or I'll dedicate a whole month to all of them. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm working it out. Because right now you're pulling the curtain back and letting people see inside. Like if you if no one knew this, you could you could literally take a break from podcasting if you wanted to and just coast for uh you know a couple months but uh but then the thing about podcasting is you don't you do it because you love to do it and you're and and you're always looking for the next guest so yeah there's been times when i've had eight episodes you know in the can and it's uh and like you know but you're still recording so it's Mm -hmm. you know it's just a thing i currently have 20 20 episodes in the can yeah yeah a few, uh, three or four, four of those we're going to do as bonuses, the rest. So I'm good till mid, mid September, end of September. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I'll, I might take a week or two off, but then, you know, you start getting that itch. Yeah. I haven't talked to anybody for a yep. couple of weeks cool. and I'm itching to get back into it. Or you so get an bonuses. email, you get an email from Cy Kernan and he wants to record with you. So you got to do it. Exactly. Exactly. And everyone's available right now. So I'm trying to kind of just everyone's available. And then the thing that's driving me nuts is all of a sudden I'll be on Facebook and it'll be like, oh, Susanna Hoffs is going to talk to. I'm like, Susanna Hoffs is talking. Who's she talking to? And it's not it's not it's not another podcaster. She's doing a podcast. 
Celebrities are doing podcasts now. Who wants to talk to you and I if they can talk to Richard Marks or Susanna Hoffs? It's like it, it could it's start true. killing us. Folks, uh, podcast envy is a real thing. <laughs> it's real. It's a very real thing. It's real. Either we're jealous of each other mm -hmm. or we're jealous that Robert Plant and Conan O'Brien exist. Oh, my God. And they have millions and we don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Podcast envy is a very real phenomenon. Oh, the Conan O'Brien thing kills me. The guy's got a TV show and now he's his fucking podcast out of his house. Oh, can you, Conan, say, Conan, can you get any guests? Oh, you can. You can get everyone. Okay, great. <laughs> so you don't have to work for it either. Your people just call their people and they go, yeah, I'd love to do Conan. Okay. Sure. Whereas we had yeah. to beg and plead. I know. That's true. I actually like his podcast 10 times better than his show. Oh, I'm sure he's um, he's great. He's he's funny. I'm sure that it's a great. But I'm not yeah. saying it's not a good podcast. I'm no, just I saying I'm stay just, in your lane. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. But yeah, it's going to get worse too with Spotify. It's going to get worse. Doubling down and yeah, yeah, awful. Um, yeah. And me, I'm different from you. I live in Los Angeles, so um, you know I have uh, I have access to people that live here because you know if you live in New York or Nashville or you know. L.A., that's, I assume, that's where most of the people, unless they live out of the country. But, um, right. so now I have to start doing some, I have to, I have to step on your territory now, and I have to start doing some Zoom things. I so, you're infringing. I'm infringing, One I know. I had over and I gotta be, and I gotta be honest, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. But if I'm gonna, am I gonna, am I gonna Zoom record with Christy, Mike, and Murray, and Kyle, or am I gonna Zoom record with... You know, uh, Robert Plant. I mean, uh, if I'm going to do it, I might as well go all in. You know, that's the thinking. That's yeah. the thinking. I know. So, um, all right. Well, here's what we're doing today. Let's let's tell them what we're doing today, John. Um, a couple weeks ago, Alexi Lawless and I did a track by track of uh, Rick Springfield's success. Haven't hasn't spoiled me yet. And John and I, we both love Hall and Oates. In fact, we've talked about doing like a, a full-on Hall & Oates episode the next time we're together. Yes. So until then... This doesn't cannibalize them. No, it's not. It, it won't. It only, it only, it'll only cannibalize these two albums. So okay. I, I asked John, I said, John, what's your favorite Hall & Oates album? And what did you tell me? I said Big Bam Boom. And um, I, I you continue. I feel really guilty that... We aren't talking about private eyes. <laughs> well, I and my and then my favorite Hall & Oates album is Voices. Right. But what I liked about our two choices, and, and you said it, was that my favorite album and your favorite album, those bookend the most successful period uh, or pe you, I think you said peak Hall & Oates period yeah. with the albums that come between yeah. there are Private Eyes and H2O and then... Uh, and then Sadas and So and Adult Education off of the uh, Rock and Soul Volume One is that what it's called? Yep. And then yep, part in, one. and then into uh, and then into Big Bam Boom. So we're like uh, we're bookending uh, their their right. biggest period. It's their biggest period, right? It's it's it is. You can't even argue it. It's true. No, you can't. I uh, I just find it interesting that Privatize is far and away their I think their best album. Mm -hmm. We like the ones we like. Yes, but. Privatize is their best one. It's one of the best be albums of the 80s. It's chock full of hits, mm -hmm. but that's not the one we're talking about. We're talking about our personal favorites. Right. It's, yeah, well, it's not like what's their best. feelings. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I, I feel that Voices, it, it's my favorite, and I feel it's their best. But 
Oh, do you? Yes, but then when you bring up private eyes, I can't really argue that it's better than private eyes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we're, we're just going to keep talking, but I'm going to step over and turn the air conditioner off because I'm freezing. But I'm not editing this out, John. Okay. And I'm just going to talk while I'm going to walk over here and talk while I do this. And I'm going to turn it off. All right. And I'm coming back to the microphone. And I'm okay. going to put headphones back on. And uh, I don't want to edit anything. I hate editing. Okay. I'll trim. I'll trim the top and the bottom, but stuff in the middle. I just not not. A, I don't like it because I don't mind if people just heard a real moment of me going over and turning off the air conditioner. I don't. I feel like that makes them think they're in the room. I th- for what for the format of your show? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now you you like do ours. need to, you do need to edit. You need to yeah. insert music and all that kind of fun stuff. Right. Right. And when I say fun stuff, I say, I mean, really, really hard work because that's what it is. It is. I know. I know. I'm the luckiest podcaster in the world because I get to do this with my buddy, Ian, and he does all the production and that's how he likes it. You get all the credit, John. And then Jan is. As I always say, I'm, he's DJ Jazzy Jeff and I'm the Fresh Prince. Like John, you can't walk out in public without getting mobbed, but Jan can. (laughs) That's true. That's true. All right. We're going to go track by track through voices and then we're going to go track by track through Big Bamboom. And let's kick it off with some voices. Let's talk about this after some after some albums that had lackluster performance on the charts. You know what I mean? Like Beauty on the Back on a Back Street along the Red Ledge and Ecstatic. I love Ecstatic. I think that's a great album. Me too. Me too. They um they decide that they're gonna uh, they're gonna produce an album themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's voices, and let me they let me claim when they talk about this period and how it's the rise of their popularity. Daryl, who you know, is not the most reliable narrator of his own life. Sometimes <laughs> uh, always qu- says, "Well, that's because we started to we took it into our own hands. We started producing ourselves." And certainly, and I don't know. Certainly, certainly the key. And certainly, people can say that if it's successful, but if voices yeah. wasn't successful, then they'd say, then they would say like, yeah, we tried it on our own and we knew, and then we knew we needed an outside producer. I mean, it's, that's the bullshit that everyone exactly. says, exactly. but, um, but it paid off. Uh, and, yeah. um, this has the most John Oates lead vocals on an album, uh, since the, uh, I don't know what they call it. The, uh, Daryl Hall, John Oates, the silver cover. Uh, album silver yeah silver, silver. Album. uh he sings four lead vocals on that and he sings four on this and then the rest of the albums in their catalog he does two maybe three sometimes mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is a this is an oats heavy album i i think of this album as their um skinny tie album the way i think of as i have that written down you got it written skinny down Ties album. the, the yes. way the, i mean it's the same way i think of um the, an album that came out the same year billy joel's glass houses i feel like that's his punky new wave uh skinny tie yes. album and um yeah. so that's uh i just wanted to say that and you wanted yeah. to say it too so there it's, you go i totally agree it's it's joe jackson's look sharp mm-hmm. it's greg kim yeah. influence of the of the knack it's all that stuff and um all stuff but, we like you know of of course and especially you obviously being older than me what's hitting you and your sweet <laughs> sorry it, it, folks it's true a little bit older yeah i was this um is hitting you in your sweet spot yeah like rick springfield did around yeah, the same time yeah, i was 16 when this album exactly. came out how old were you in 1980 
Seven. You jerk. Um, so, uh, it's terrible. Now, look, if we were recording back in 1980, it would have been weird for a 16 year old to be hanging around with a seven year old, but now it's all good. It's all good. Um, so, uh, yeah, 1980 and, um, this album kicks off, which is, which is, it's, I think it's unique. I, I would have to look back, but it kicks off with the John Oates lead vocal and a song that Oates wrote by himself. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to be back? Let's hear it. Love it. Here we go. I, I think that's a great way to kick the album off. I, I love that song. I wish that was in the set list now. I mean, Oates always sings a couple songs live. I would love this one to make an appearance. I agree. And uh, I didn't realize, I don't think, until getting ready to talk to you, that it charted. It was in the top 40. I think it hit number 30. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you were alluding earlier that not uh, that Hall & Oates albums don't start with John Oates songs. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, am I wrong? The bigger than the bigger than the both of us album kicks off with "Back Together Again," okay, which is a John song and one of my favorites. Yeah, that's the only reason I know that. But anyway, yes, you're right. This is a it's one of his best songs, probably is in the top five of his contributions. I agree. Um, it's tough. I think, I think it's, it's a good. Tr- go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You go. Keep talking. Well, I was going to say I think it's an effective track one. And it um, two things I want to uh, points I want to make about this album as we go. Number one, to quote our friend BJ Cramp, the sequencing on this album is baffling. I would totally <laughs> resequence this thing. And secondly, we're going to see when within the space of just this album, the absolute pros and cons of including John Oates songs on an album. The guy has the has what it takes to deliver a song like this. And then he has what it takes to ruin it all with the goofiest, weirdest stuff you've ever heard in your life. Which, which is coming up a little bit later. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. See, it's it, for me, like John Oates, it's got his songs have to nail it. Cause there's, there's fewer of them. So like Hall, if he has a stinker, well, that's okay. Cause he had these other six great ones, but Oates only gets a couple of chances per album. So, um, all right, good. We both like, okay, look at that. We're, we're, yeah. We both like, how does it feel to be back? Also, this is not yet the, what I refer to as the classic Hall & Oates lineup, which for me would be G.E. Smith, T-Bone Wolk, Charlie DeChant, and Mickey Curry. 
that would be the four guys with Daryl and John. That would be for me. I yeah, feel that one of those guys is not. Uh, I know Jerry Murata drummed for them for a while. Yeah, on this album, it's only G. E. Smith and Charlie are here uh, for bass. We have a guy named John Siegler, and drums we have Chuck Berge on a couple songs and Jerry Murata on a couple songs. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think the lineup you're talking about really uh, starts to formulate on Private Eyes. Yes, and then that's the, that's the lineup that you see in in your MTV videos and whatnot. I don't remember seeing any videos from this album. Oh, maybe. Well, no. There was. Yeah. There, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. There's big hits on this album. All right. Mm -hmm. Next up, track two is written by Daryl and John, and it's called Big Kids. So let's check it out. comes the chorus. All right, I'm excited to get John Lamoureux's take on big kids. John, you were probably a big kid. I was. <laughs> I've been this tall. I'm six eight. I've been this tall since I was fourteen oh, that's, years old. That's rough. I'm sure. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. Are yeah. your kid? Are your kids tall? Uh, the the older the older two are. Okay. My daughter Georgia is um, just turned thirteen last week, and she's already five eleven. She's oh taller God. than my wife. Taller than me. And um, and my middle son is taller than average, and my youngest is. Uh, shorter than average. Huh. And uh, so that will be interesting. Yeah. It, he's, it would be perfectly fine if his dad wasn't me and I was like a foot and a half taller than him. Yeah. You know? And the mailman was and, short. So that's the problem. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> he doesn't look like me either. So that's, I've wondered this hmm, very thing. Okay. Interesting. Um, um, yeah. So go ahead. Big kids. What do you got for me? Okay. Well, this one is weird because uh, I, you know, sometimes I've been inviting guests back to do deep dives on some of their albums on our show and, and I always make it a point to tell them, like, this is the, my least favorite song on the album, or this is the one where it's like, what, how does that song go again? I don't even remember. Now, that's you know? ballsy, like, John, that because th that's ballsy, because you can easily not even talk about this song. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you could easily just, there's, there's, I, there's 11 tracks. You could easily just pretend this one doesn't exist. I know, but uh, I'm, I, I like to think we're having an open conversation. And right. I already know them. You know, mm -hmm. they've been on. Yeah, before, that's true. So they've been on before. Okay. So, um, and it's not, no, not every album even has a clunker, but it, on this album, I, this is the most forgettable. I don't remember this song. I've listened to it. <laughs> I mean, I've listened to this album over the years and I've right. listened to it five more times to get ready to talk to you. And yeah. I still can't remember what big kids is. <laughs> I think it's so strange that the most unmemorable song on the album is track two. This should have been the next song should have been track two in my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do like the line, who do you think your leaders are? Big kids. 
and because uh, that's very poignant these days. But anyway, I just think it's so odd to put what is to me obvious album filler in the number two slot. Yeah, and this is a this... great song. Don't get me wrong; I like this song a lot. Compared to everything else, it's the one that I don't remember. And this is how it, this is how it was with Alexi. Like I, in my head, I'm listening. You know, we're listening to the song, and, and in my head, I'm like. I love this song. And then I would go, what do you think? And he'd be like, this is a turd. I'm like, no, because I do. I love big kid. And again, I love, this is my favorite Hall and Oates album. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid on all these songs, but, um, I will give it, I will give it to you that it's not, um, it's not in the top. It's not in the top tier of the album, the way, uh, the way, how does it feel to be back? That's, that's a home run for me. That's a grand slam. I agree. I mean, I would still, you know, this song is still like a seven out of 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, it doesn't stand out in any way. Gotcha. Every other song on here. Oh, that's the one that does this. That's the one that's got this riff. Yeah. That's the one with the, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, this is, this song has nothing that you would say that. And the, the, and the, the ones that stand out on the album are just amazing. And we'll come to those pretty quickly or pretty soon. Uh, Next up is. United States. Let's hear it. This one's got a lot of uh, punky, new wavy in it, and um, I love uh, I love. Do I want to expatriate or live in the United States? I, 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 yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh, now, listening to this track, uh, this drummer doesn't hold a candle to uh, to Mickey Curry. It's adequate. It's adequate to my ears. But Mickey Curry has I don't know. Maybe he's a harder hitter or something. But but I do love this song. What do you think? I, I, I well, the, as far as drumming goes, because I've had Jerry Murata on my show, and it's one of my favorite episodes you've ever done. I probably and I'm not. And I don't even know that this is Jerry. No, it could be that Chuck Berge because the because right. it's not uh, on Wikipedia. It's not. It's not telling me exactly who's who. Right. Um, and speaking of which, I'm trying to get Jerry. Jerry has agreed to come back on and do a deep dive, and I'm going to ask him to deep dive one of these private eye or. Uh, Hall and Oates album. But then, anyway. we'll, but then we'll find out which songs he's on. We'll find out for sure, yeah. Uh, I like this song a lot. I like the, sort. I keep calling it a circular guitar riff. It just kind of sounds like someone's kind of winding their arm mm-hmm. their hand around, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. around the neck over and over. Great harmonies. And this song sounds like it would have been a blast to play, you know? Yes. Uh, if they were, I don't know what their shows were comprised of back then, if it was... You know, they went from this to She's Gone to something off War Babies to something more R&B. I don't know what yeah, they did. I have no idea. All of them in their skinny ties and their little Chuck, you know, Chuck Taylor Converse shoes or whatever, skittering around the stage playing this thing really energetically. And uh, so it sounds like a lot of fun. I like this track a lot. Now, the first time I saw Hall & Oates was on the Private Eyes tour. The, and listen to this. It gets better, John. It was uh, it was at a local college, like forty five minutes from my house is St. Francis College. It's just right up the we we say up the mountain, and they were playing in the uh, in the college gymnasium, and they were I don't even remember them having a stage. It felt like they were just set up 
on the floor. Right. And it was it was all the guys, T Bone, G E. It was the whole the whole deal. And um I think it was I don't know, it was like eight bucks to get in. It was and I feel like they played like almost the entire Private Eyes album, mm. the, the hits from this album, and then their their classic seventies hits, and boom, out of there. And it was they had so much energy too. Like G. E. Smith would th- throw his guitar up in the air, like it looked like it was going to hit the top of the gymnasium gymnasium mm-hmm. ceiling, and then he would catch it. They were, it was great. It was so great. It was it was amazing. Yeah. Like, but because it was so long ago, I, I don't have vivid memories of it. Like I wish I could go back and see that specific show again because it was pretty so cool. Shows like that. I um, not to get religious or anything, but you know there. People have different views of what happens after you die, and I, there's, you know, there some people will say, well, you can go back and relive parts of your life and watch it like a movie or like a video, kind of like Albert Brooks did in Defending Your Life. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I want to go back and watch all the concerts that I know I loved in the moment that I can't remember very yeah, well. Now. I know, you know, I hope that would be great if that were what actually happened. And when you're a kid, you're anyway. you're you're not you're you're loving it, but you don't really you don't really think about longevity of life at that point. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Moving on to track four, hard to be in love with you written by Daryl Hall, a guy named Neil Jason. I don't know anything about him and John Oates. So let's hear, uh, hard to be in love with you. And again, this is another one that has like a punky vibe for me. on some of these songs is I love it but it's very thin you know what I mean mm-hmm. there's not it is it doesn't feel it's definitely not overproduced but I like uh, I like the sounds that I'm hearing yeah that goes back to the sequencing I, I you don't think it's a little odd that this album this album a hollow notes album mm-hmm. comes out of the gate with four skinny tie skittery punk songs kind of in a row well, I mean, I, I think that's what they might have been going for. I'm sh- I'm sure it was. I just I so find it, that uh, a really interesting way to kick off an album. Sequencing's tough, especially when it's an album that's you know ingrained in my head for so long that I don't even. To me, this is just the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. there have been newer albums where usually I'm like, mm, this has 15 songs; it needs to have 10 songs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the only. But as far as like actually rearranging where you know. BJ Cramp's good at that. I'm I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, I like this song a lot. I think the two of their two of them, their voices sound so great together on this song. Yeah. John, they don't. I don't it's odd. I don't find their voices to be as complimentary as you would think 
two people who have been joined at the hip this long would be. Yeah. But I think their voices meld so nicely in this one. I love the chorus. And I feel like Daryl, uh, it's not, you know, Daryl is one of the greatest soul singers, white or black, in the history of music. Right. But he can, from time to time, do some Mariah Carey histrionics. You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? And yeah. sometimes they're great, and sometimes it's a little too much. And I feel like in this song, he under does it to the point where there's almost a sort of innocence or vulnerability. Yeah. The way he sings that those lines in that chorus, you know, each line at a time with a break in between, there's just a, I love that he doesn't overdo that. He lets it be kind of almost, I don't know, childlike in a way. I love it. I feel uh, my opinion of this time period without, without ever talking to either one of them is that I bet when they were making this album, they were, as close as they ever were because they knew, okay, something we've, something's got, you know, we, ha we've had number one, we've had some number one hits, top 10 hits. Yeah. We got to get back there. What are we going to do? The music's changing. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like they were like two guys against the world. This, this album had to break through. You know what I mean? I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, it's, we're coming up finally on, the singles that would cement it yes. to be the thing that it deserved to be. Because I, again, going back, I, I like these first four songs, but you would never listen to this and think, Oh, this is a classic album of all time. Just right. listen to these two. You know? Yep. Yeah, the next song is kiss on my list. It goes to number one. It's their first, it's their first number one in like since 77. So in three years and during that period, they didn't have big chart success. Really. It's a laugh went to number 20. Wait for me went to number 18, mm -hmm. but I mean, this, this went to number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, big, whatever, whatever they were doing, they could yeah. look at each other and go, we did it. Yeah. So, yeah. There's like a four or five album span there in the seventies. That's just kind of them in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. And I like all those. I like them too. But uh, but they are so void of standards. That yeah, you forget they even exist. Right. You know. Yeah. They. But, yeah. Each one has like one song that you. Even the song "It's a Laugh" or "Wait for Me." Some people are like, I think I've heard that, but I don't. Right. But I don't quite. I'm not quite sure. So, uh, and they worked right. with David Foster. You know, yes, on some of those albums. Right. And you would think yeah. you would think that they probably thought working with that guy, this is going to be. Here's the hit maker. Here we go. Mm -hmm. But yeah, not so mm -hmm. much. All right, here we go. Um, oh yeah, go ahead. All right, you got you got something to say before I start? Well, I was going to ask you because it's a little bit of a tangent, but you know, Rick Nielsen plays on "Along the Red Ledge." Yes. And so, Alley Cats. Mm -hmm. Were you at the time being as diehard and the cheap trick as you were? Was that a was that a real provocation for you? Did you run out and buy that? No, no, I didn't know he played on that for years. And I got to be honest, I, I I can't really hear his guitar on the song myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I gotta be honest, as, as Cheap Trick's my favorite band. I like them. I like them as a whole. I like them as a unit. I, I feel Rick Nielsen's kind of a sloppy guitar player. I mean, I, you know, he's he's he he works for their band, but yes, you know, he's not a Steve Lukather. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when Lukather plays yeah. on something, I'm like, holy fuck, listen to that. So, um, and incidentally, I don't know if you knew that. And this is funny. We're talking about this album called voices and we're just talking about Rick Nielsen and Steve Lukather, the cheap trick song voices, Steve Lukather plays the solo on that song. Really? And he was uncredited oh. for, he's still uncredited, but I mean, they don't, the band doesn't deny it and Luke doesn't deny it. It's him. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. It's crazy. That's All right. Great. 
if you haven't heard this song, then I don't, you've never turned on the radio? Kiss on my list. Sadly, John Oates does not get a piece of that publishing. <laughs> Man, that's a monster. I love the la 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 las, you know, that are yeah. just, and especially when you have headphones on, you can hear those. And um, yeah, yeah, that's just an undeniable hit song. It's so good. It is, and that's that's what I was gonna say. Is that I mean, you have to admit that sound that song sounds so different than the four previous songs. We it did. absolutely does. It 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 feels like it. It feel it almost feels like it doesn't belong on this album with what we've just heard. Yeah. Well, and it's so it's so a part of what you think of when you think of Hall and Oates, mm-hmm. and the first four, or at least three of those first four, are so different than what you think of when you yeah. think of Hall and Oates. So it's yeah. interesting that they cohabitate on the same album. One thing I was going to say, and one of your, I, I meant to bone up on this before we talked, and I can't remember. One of your listeners can at, tweet at me if they want, but I feel like in John Oates's book he mentioned that this was the song is pretty much like their demo with just a few things overdubbed on top of it. Mm-hmm. And you can almost hear a, uh, a sort of a raw or quality to maybe the piano parts, or it doesn't feel quite as, I don't know, like it's come through a machine. It feels a little more organic than that to me or, or anyway. Yeah, I, I, I can hear that. Yeah. You're probably right. That sounds, uh, that makes sense because it, it does have, have that sound to it. That's less polished, even mm-hmm. though it's got, well, it's a, like a more analog quality than a digital quality. It sounds like a song that's got both and you can tell. Ah, the, I the see. Overdubbed polished qualities on top of the under polished. Quality. Anyway, maybe that's what makes it work. In the weeds. Maybe, maybe that I'm sure it does. Whatever it is, it's great. It's All right. Now here we go. The, after that song, we go back to uh, some quirkiness. This is written by Sarah Allen, which was Daryl Hall's longtime um, girlfriend or partner, whatever they say. And uh, so Sarah Allen, Hall and Oates all have a songwriting credit on this. This has got a lot of nerve. And then in uh, parentheses, perfect, perfect. Let's hear it. It starts with that 50s type boom, 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 boom. Since 
So yeah, when when Kiss on uh, my list comes in and it breaks up uh, those three from this song, it feels like this one should be played right along with those other three. You know what I mean? It feels like Kiss on my list should have been maybe slotted at number two on this uh, on side one, and then we could have yeah. had all the quirkiness after that. That's what I think. If I were to resequence the beginning, I'm okay with how does it feel being the first song. Yes. Yeah. And then if you want to throw in one of those punkier ones after that, you can. And I would probably make it United States. And then kiss on my list. And then, yes. And then kiss on my list. And then since this. uh, Then you can spread it around. And since since this was an album side and there weren't CDs at this point, um, you could play those last three quirky ones out on side one. And flip exactly. it over. Or and, side two. And there's yeah. two big ballads. So maybe after Kiss on My List, then mm-hmm. you throw in one of the ballads. And then you end the side with one of the quirky, mm-hmm. you know, big kids. Yep. Or perfect, perfect. I think this song is a lot of fun, even though, as you know, I'm not a huge doo-wop fan. But doo-wop plays a part in a later song that I also really like. Um, so, yeah, it's just uh, they have a tendency every now and then to just kind of get a little silly. Yeah. Get a little goofy. And um, which which for okay. someone like Daryl Hall, who seems to take himself so seriously, it's a, it's a breath of fresh air when he's willing to do this. I agree. And I have a lot more to say about that in a couple of songs. But, um, yeah, it, it seems counterintuitive for someone like Daryl to allow himself to be a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he doesn't see it that way. I don't know. But it comes off that way. But I think this song's a lot of fun. I like that doo-wop, yeah. doo-wop element, even though I don't like doo-wop mu- music in general. Right. And then, uh, and now we're on side two, and this side, this side starts so strong, in my opinion. Like we'll find out what John thinks in a minute. They do a cover yeah. song. It's it's a it's a big cover. It's a it's such a classic song to uh, to you know to cover. But um, mm-hmm. it's the Righteous Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is you've lost that love loving. Oh, I can't even talk, John. You've lost that love and feeling, and this is uh, John Oates is kicking off side two. That's right. Here we go. Let's hear their version. Can they do it? Did they do a good job? You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your No tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show. Yeah, when Daryl comes in with his part, it's. But baby, yeah. And then it's both of them on the chorus. It just sounds so great. Before we chat, I just want to give a, a quick timeline thing here. So the first single off of this album was How Does It Feel to Be Back? That was the first single. It went to number 30. This was the second single, 
it, it went to number 12 and then kiss on my list went to number one. So it was like a weird, it was like a build, you know what I mean? Yeah, it did. But like when you, wouldn't you kick, wouldn't you make your first single, the thing that's the most obvious grabber from an album and yep. Yep. Unless these are those songs. Yeah. I mean, and start with kiss and then I'd go dreams or vice versa. Yeah. 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 And then, and then these, because maybe, maybe those would have been so strong that it would have elevated those other songs on the chart because people would have been like, oh my God, here's the new Hall & Oates song. So yes. yeah, if you yeah. release How Does It Feel to Be Back as your third single, it might have done better than number 30. And I for agree. your se- your second single as a cover, that's that seems odd too, but it's a great cover. What do you think? Do you like their cover? Um, I'm torn about it. I mean, it, uh, it, I don't, I'm not convinced it's completely necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, the original is a standard as well. It's yeah. One of the best songs ever recorded i do think that they do a really excellent version i i can't um i don't know that you would replace the original with this one i do think there's some like spacey sounding kind of keyboards happening underneath that it really amps up the drama of the song i like that they do that i like that john starts out because it's a little jarring hearing john's voice but then when daryl comes in yeah, it like soars. It makes it all okay again. Yeah. You know, ah, uh, now I know what we're dealing with here. <laughs> here comes Daryl to save the day. So, yeah, it's a little too on the nose for me. It, it feels like something that, you know, of course they would do a song like this. And I would have rather been surprised. It actually makes the album for me more punky to have such a mm-hmm. standard in the middle of all this, you know, because when you're uh-huh. on, on a CD, it's almost right in the center. And, um, uh-huh. yeah, it's... Uh, it's like when it, it, it's like when um, when uh, when Green Day recorded that. What's their song? Their acoustic is it called Good oh, Riddance? Uh, Good Riddance. Yeah, time like of my life. Yeah, like that was like the most punky thing they could do at the time was to just not do what they normally do. So yeah, this is a, I love it. I love this uh, cover, but it's um, it, it's a, it's a, it's weird in the mix with these. Uh, you know, if it was between. Uh, big kids in the United States, you'd be like, well, what the hell's going on? So it isn't a good spot kicking off, uh, kicking off side two. Yeah, that's true. And then we go into a song that, uh, was made famous by another artist, mm. but written by, um, and, and I don't know. I don't know if people think knew that Paul Young's version was a cover. Wait, you're, you skipped, you make my dreams come true. Yes, I did. And you know what? In my playlist here, something got out of whack. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Still not editing it. The next song, this is a monster. This 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 keyboard, as soon as you hear, if you see the band live, as soon as you hear these opening notes, you are immediately ready to go. And you're so excited and you can just feel the crowd is getting ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is, this is You Make My Dreams. This is a signature song of theirs for me. It is. I mean, it is. And we'll talk. Let's hear it. Here we go. You Make My Dreams. And there was a video for this because I saw this video.
also in the Oohs. So good. That was written by Sarah Allen, Hall and Oates. Uh, that's I mean, I like that one better than Kiss on My List. It's just so bouncy and yeah. fun. I really do. What about you? You go you're Kiss on My List guy. I can't I've wondered that exact thing. I can't decide. I I and I don't remember one of these would have been probably the first Hall and Oates song that I ever heard. And mm-hmm. I think it was probably Kiss. Okay. Um, and then I wonder too, this is a song that um, I think thanks to, well, it's it's become a song that gets placed in a lot of movies and commercials and stuff like that now. Yeah. Like 500 Days of Summer, which right. was a great movie back in the day. And I feel like that's what's kind of given it a resurgence. And so sometimes when I think about how much I love it, I wonder if it's recency bias and I try to, fight against that but i was pulling up while we were listening i pulled up uh, the playlist or the set list of a show i saw of theirs years ago well in the last like 10 years okay and uh they closed the show with private eyes and the second to last was kiss on my list and the third to last was you make my dreams yeah so there you go so yeah these are these are still right in the thick of it all yeah you know this is this is and i should say my brother steve got married uh, six or seven years ago up in the mountains in Utah. And as soon as they said, I do. And the pastor or whoever he was said, man and wife, that song kicked on. And it was, uh, that way on purpose. They had DJ, you know, he was DJ. Yeah, yeah. It was perfect. The best moments ever. And again, this, this, uh, you make my dreams went to number five. So, you know, kiss on my list bests it on the, on the charts, but, uh, man, I love you make my dreams so much that keyboard. It just, I mean, I don't play keyboard. It sounds very simple, but I think that's part of what you love about it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good stuff. And I, have you noticed when you see, this is a little bit of a tangent. Have you noticed when you see Hall & Oates live now, mm-hmm. or even on the uh, Daryl on the live from Daryl's house show or whatever, I can't exactly. Oh, wait, does Daryl Hall have, wait, Daryl Hall has a TV show? How would I yeah. know that? Well, it's funny. I there are bumper stickers, there are t-shirts, there are guitar straps. Oh my god! There are uh, there's probably a wine. There's probably a t- you know there's a million things. John Oates has to um, be backstage. Like, do people know you have a show? It's unbelievable. The guy needs uh, his own I was thing. Say when he's playing guitar, it almost sounds like it's not quite plugged in. I can't exactly tell what he's doing mm-hmm. on the guitar and contributing to the song. Same with keyboards. Yeah. I wonder if it's just there for something, for him to do something and it's, you know, turned down to about a four. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, That's interesting. All right. Now the song that I, that I started to, uh, to introduce uh, out of order is uh, every time you go away written solely by Daryl Hall, the longest set track on the album, five minutes and 23 seconds, uh, wildly successful, version by paul young and i and i bet people think that paul young's is the original version they probably think that he wrote it i did for years <laughs> i didn't know that this was mm-hmm. a hollow note song until yep. after big bamboom they did that live from uh, the apollo album and they sang it there and mentioned that it was their song and I, that's when i found out yeah so um yeah. So I don't know what version you like better, John, but let's listen to the original version of Every Time You Go Away. It's like a perfect song for Daryl Hall to sing. Oh, 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 mm-hmm. So you 
actually after Paul Hung, Young, oh my god Paul Hung after Paul Young had a hit with this I wonder if they were like why didn't we release that as a single I don't this their version doesn't sound like a single it does not sound like a single to you is that what you're saying it's an album track all right that makes sense Their singing together on this album is is so good. I mean, that's uh, so. How do you feel about this cover? Not this cover, their version. Oh my god! Right. Um, I, this song has always been a little sleepy for me. Okay. A little too sleepy. Okay. Um, I do respect. You're right. I mean, it's such a fantastic showcase for Daryl's voice, and I like. I normally feel like a little Hammond organ goes a long way for me <laughs> i like it to be just a little kind of an accent in the background. okay but and this is wall-to-wall hammond it is but that's okay because it, the word that comes to mind is funereal it reminds it sounds makes it sound sort of holy like it belongs in a church mm-hmm. or at a funeral or you know what i'm saying yeah it sounds more like a hymn like it's sacred and uh that so it's very effective that way in general um yeah, I feel like the song is a little sleepy for me, you know, but this is a very effective um, way of presenting this song. It's a, it's great. I have nothing to add to all, all, everything that you said. I, I agree with all that. I, I love their version. Um, and again, it is my favorite Hall & Oates album, so I mean, I'm going to love every song. Even this next one, which I know you are going to have a lot to say about this one. This is a, this is a John Oates written and uh, and sung, uh, and it's called Africa. And it's not, oh, that could be a title fight. We could do Hall and Oates Africa against Toto's hey, Africa. I'm surprised you haven't done that already. I'm surprised I haven't done it either. We know who would win, but here we go. This is Hall and Oates with their Africa. Okay, what do you think of the placement of this as the uh, second to the last song on side two? That I'm okay with. These last two songs are are a fitting, you know, end to this album. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I yes, there is a another kind of a goofy, <laughs> funny, silly quality to yes. this song, but it does stand as a just a stark example of the two sides of John Oates. Mm-hmm. You can have. A song as beautiful as like "Had I Known You Better Then" from Abandoned Luncheonette, yeah. and then you can have something as stupid as "Muscle Beach" or what's the one on? Oh, uh, that's terrible. You know what I mean? I even asked him about that yeah. when I had him. I was like, "Do you ever regret recording 
Muscle Beach or whatever it's called. <laughs> what did he say? I forget. I I I listened he to that just, episode. He chuckled. He got it. He he was like, I know, I know. At the time, it felt like the right thing. Yeah. So, but I just I listened to this song and I'm thinking, like, what's Daryl thinking when he when this is the song they're recording? And he's he's probably like, you know, I I can barely stand this guy anyway. And uh, this is one of the songs that he feels strongly about. Yeah, maybe. You know? Or maybe Daryl's like, fine, man, put it on. He's in his head. He's like, fine, put it on. It'll just make my songs look all the better. Maybe, maybe. I just, I can't imagine that of however many songs John Oates had laying around, that this is the one that rose to the top. Yeah. Daryl, trust me, we got to record. We got to record Africa. Africa. We got to. And there's those lines in there about jumping on her bones. And I just, which has always just been the worst way to describe you know yeah, sex yeah ever. jumper but bones he, it doesn't yeah. stop him a couple of it's times. better than pork that's true that's <laughs> okay yes that's true now the song <laughs> the song that closes it out is another one with the parentheses did he do wop and then in parentheses i hear the voices i really like this song i think this is a fun yeah, song so let's uh let's hear it It's uh, it, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, I I love it too. I think it's a weird uh, a weird little oddity, but it's so great. I will say the set the if if you listen to this and then listen to the song "Crime Pays" on H two O. Yes, 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 great song. They sound very similar. Yeah, very similar. There's it's almost like the same notes, just produced differently. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I, yes, I think this is a great tune. It's so different and unique and it's a great album closer. Yeah. The album opens and closes uh, strong with how does it feel to be back? And did you do WAP? Um, now let's talk before we move on to big bamboom, let's talk about the album cover because the original album cover is black and white. Mm-hmm. And I really like the original album cover. And then as the album got successful and started to, you know, sales started to rise. They changed it to a a color album cover of like, it's like, I don't have it in front of me, but like uh, John Oates is like jumping up. He's got like a sleeveless t-shirt on. They have like pastel colors on. And uh, I do not like that album cover. I'm not into that one. Because that's the one I think of. Daryl's arms are up. John's arms are down. Yes. 
Um, because in the uh, Christmas of 1983, I got one of those record players that came in the boxes. You know, you open the latches and open it up and there'd be a yeah. record player. Yes. In there. And uh, I got three records for Christmas that year. I got uh, Rock and Soul Part One. Okay. I got Rick Springfield's Living in Oz. Great. And I got uh, Lionel Richie's uh, Can't Slow Down. Okay. And uh, I, it's funny, maybe you can relate, I'm sure everybody can. I still, when I hear the songs that were on any of those records, I hear them with the skips that were on those <laughs> records the whole time I had yeah, them, you yeah. know what I mean? But anyway, I, um, along with Rock and Soul Part 1 came a calendar. Okay. There was a calendar that you could full, unfold and it had every album cover was one of the months. Okay. And the one for Voices was the color. Was the one. color album and cover. And that was my introduction. And so that's the album cover I think of. And in fact, I have this on CD and you can put the, you can have either the color one be the cover or the black and white be yeah. the cover. I do like when I they do that. Color. I do like when they give you yeah. the option if there were two, yes. uh, if there was a cover variant. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so yeah, I've got the color. So that. That album had 11 songs. Now we're moving on to Big Bam Boom from uh, 1984. So much, they, I mean, here's what Hall & Oates did that was so uh, smart. Just when one single, just when the last single from the previous album was ending its run, all of a sudden, a couple weeks later, it felt like the f- first single from the next album was happening. And they did that literally from 1980 through 1984. Like, mm-hmm. always on the radio. Hall & Oates always has singles on the radio, nonstop. Such a prolific period. I'm not saying that the 70s, they, there aren't, they didn't record a lot of music. But as far as hits go, just killing yeah. it. Yeah, and that's um, that's why I think those two singles, "Say It Isn't So," which is my very favorite Hall and Oates song, mm-hmm. and "Adult uh, Education." Yep, great, and that's a great song too. It is, yeah. And they were, I mean, they were massive, and they kind of they, as you were saying, bridged this gap. I think yeah. a lot of people, um, I don't know, when you think of Big Bam Boom, you could almost grandfather in those two songs, yeah, because they pre seated it just barely, you know. And that was the that's the rare time when a greatest hits package mm-hmm. puts n- new songs on and they actually are or become hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes the greatest hits has a couple new tracks and they're not hits. They don't become right. hits. I think yeah. another example would be, oh. uh, the cars tonight. She comes was a hit. Oh, good one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, Tom it's Eddie's rare. Mary Jane's last dance. Yes. But it's rare that, it, that they can do it. Mm-hmm. It's rare. Yeah, so, um, true. but, uh, it's true. Now this, the thing about this album for me is it's, it's only got nine songs, but it really only has eight songs because the thing that opens the uh, song is more of just an intro to the first song, but let's hear a little of it. Uh, Dance on your knees written by uh, Arthur Baker, credited to Arthur Baker and Daryl Hall. And this album was produced uh, by Hall and Oates with Bob clear mountain. Mm -hmm. That guy's good. Here we go. Here's dance on your knees. I believe that a lot of Dance on Your Knees was used in the video for Out of Touch. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah, you're right. This is basically just the intro. Yeah. But, it, you know, it's a minute and a half long. 
It's cool. Yeah. I'm not going to get to the end, but at the end, does it, doesn't, does, is it uh, Oates that says, dance on your knees? Is that how it ends? It's one of them. I think I thought it was Daryl, but maybe it is. Yeah, what? one of them does. I'm going to bop to the end and we'll see if we can find out. I could be wrong. Nope, I'm not hearing it. Okay. I had to stop it before it went into the next song. So, okay. So, um, dance on your knees is cool. It's not yeah. a song. Like no one would say dance on my dance on your knees is my favorite Hall and Oates song. Yeah, no, I, um, exactly. And I think it's, you know, working with Arthur Baker at that time who really had his finger on the pulse of what dance music sounded like. I, um, I almost wish they had gone further, like mm -hmm. just make this add another three or four minutes of remix on this and yeah. let it be its own thing. It's pretty killer. It's just as it is. And because of that video, you just figure it's the begin. It's the intro to exactly out of touch. Yeah. So now we're going to kick off the way an album's supposed to kick off with a number one single. Yeah. So here we go. And this is, this is one of my favorite Hall & Oates songs. Like, this is top five for me. I just love this song so much. So this is uh, Out of Touch. before the after the chorus before the next verse starts it kind of just it just ends just for a little, like half a second it ends and then keeps going i love that song so much that's the bob clear mountain specialty yeah he's the one with those pauses in there yeah and um i love daryl's look because uh i don't like when he has the the long hair in the back the mullet but this was like, it was still streamlined in the back and he had like, but giant on the top, like so cool. I mean, yeah, this is a, and, and I love the, I love this album cover. There's a lot going on, but I, I just love it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. How do you, do you, is this, do you like out of touch? I do. I love it. I, uh, and one thing I was thinking a couple of thoughts about this. Number one, the thing I love most about Hall and Oates, and they are, as I've mentioned before in my, there's a holy trinity for me, Bowie, Hall and Oates, and Neil Finn slash Credit House. Mm -hmm. And the reason I feel so strongly about Hall and Oates is, and people can have their own feelings, but I feel like these songs, like this song in particular, is just as exciting today as it was then. Their songs are so timeless. They don't really, they don't, you don't laugh. They don't sound dumb or of their time. They right. sound... They, uh, they overcome those. Yes, they may sound like a song from the 70s or a song from the 80s, but the bones of them are eternal. These songs are great. 
Um, one other thing I was thinking about, and maybe you can relate to this. I don't know. I feel like, though, on the other hand, that um, like I can't think of a band as big as them where like lyrics don't really matter. I, I don't know that I couldn't even tell you the complete lyrics to most Hollow Notes songs because they they feel secondary to an overall vibe or right. an overall feeling so often but you know the chorus you do know the choruses though every time yeah <laughs> it's so good yeah, it, this is the thing i i've done an episode on Yui lewis and but for me Yui lewis is a guy where th- th- those songs don't hold up mm-hmm. you know what i mean like uh, want a new drug and happy to be stuck with you and hip to be square uh, i'm like I mean, when you, if you, if I was to see Yui Lewis in the news now, I would enjoy it, but I would also be like, man, these are kind of corny. That's just me. Mm-hmm. I know, sure. I know there's wild fans out there, but not timeless like these songs are for God's sake. I agree. I agree. Yes, I agree. Yeah. These, uh, they're, they hit on something there for about a decade that is just unbeatable. They nailed it. Well, the most successful uh, pop rock duo of all time, right? Yeah. yeah, yep. All right, so we move from the number one single, Out of Touch, to the next song. And again, this is how you sequence an album when you have the hits. Out of mm-hmm. Touch is the first single, goes to number one. Method of Modern Love, or Method of Modern Love goes to number five, and it's the second single, and here it is. Daryl Hall and Jana Allen. Songs on this album are are long comparatively yeah. to their other albums. We have th- one, two, we have, you know, three songs at over five minutes. The rest yeah. are all four. There's not like a three minute pop song no, on here. I mean, there's like you said, there's basically eight tracks, and I think the album clocks in just over 40 minutes. Yeah. So it averages out to five. Five minutes. Yep, five minutes a song. Um, um yeah, that's a How great tune. How do you feel about Method of Modern Love? How do you feel about it? Um, I like it more now than I did when it came out. Mm. I, I've grown to to enjoy it, but I remember when it came out, I did not like it, especially mm. after Out of Touch. I mean, Out of Touch was so killer for me that this one was a, not as good. What about you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's probably well said. I didn't mind it then, and I don't mind it now, but it's another example of them just being a little silly, a little yeah. goofy, but effective for whatever reason, they can get away with 
putting out a silly song like this and having it be effective. Mm. And I find it so interesting that this song is still a staple of their live shows. Yeah. I would think of all the hits, this would be one that you would want to like separate yourself from. Yeah. But again, going back to that set list I mentioned, this was the fourth track they played <laughs> and they do it uh, every time. And I just think, I don't know. It surprises yeah. me to make this a standard of all the songs. Since Hollow Notes isn't creating new music anymore, uh, and they are—I I don't like to say n- nostalgia act—but I mean they're, they're not—they're not promoting new music, so they're—they're they're playing all the back catalog. I actually feel that the set lists could be a little better, and I've seen them—I've uh, seen them yeah. four times in the past, you know, six, seven years, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're—they're they're great. They're great, yeah. but I, I would, I could, I could make a better set list for them. <laughs> I know. So I, I don't, don't know what, what the, is. yeah, I don't know what it is either. Cause it's not I, like they're, I, it's I not like they're fighting over. I mean, it's the same as an album. Hall sings the majority of the, mm-hmm. of the live show and Oates will sing two or three songs. So. Yeah. yeah I don't know what it is. I always come away from their live shows, just slightly disappointed. They're mm-hmm. never quite as, satisfying and i think it's just because these songs are so perfect yeah in their original form they and, can't be better yeah and i think in some ways hollow notes to their to their credit they want to i think maybe show what musicians they and their yes. band are and so i but i don't want a 10 minute long she's gone you yeah. know i don't want i i love i can't go for that but i don't want 10 minutes of it right. with Daryl, you know, and his voice going yeah. all over the place. I just want these, let's keep it tight. Yeah. You know, you can keep and, it uh, tight and still show that you're an amazing musician. Right. They just don't do that. They open it yeah. up. They kind of jam a little bit. Right. It kind of just detracts a little bit from the original magic of these songs. Yeah. You're probably right. And, uh, and they are great musicians, but you know, mm-hmm. take a they nice are. solo here, do a little here, but don't, they do it in too many of the songs. If you want to mm-hmm. take one, and, and let's spread that one out. And then everything else, just give it give it to us how we know it. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, moving on to a song written by Daryl, John, and Sarah Allen. This is Bank on Your Love. production on this album Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh how do you feel about bank on your love well this is my second favorite hollow notes song of all of all time of all time what's your number one again say it isn't so and then this one and then this okay yeah yeah um and you know yes the singles are still great and uh, there's no taking away from them but 
this is easily my favorite Hollow Notes album track. I I don't care normally for blues guitar or that mm-hmm. much, but there's just enough of it in here to make it sound kind of I don't know grittier and kind of kind of dirtier. I just I love it and. I still have an image. I can still see myself. I remember uh, being in my bedroom, wearing a brown terry cloth robe, holding a, a hairbrush. God, I wish you had singing. that on right now. I know. John, what did you? What, what, what were you doing with that hairbrush? I had hair back then. I used to have really <laughs> thick, beautiful hair. You would. That's a it, bite in the uh, butt, isn't it? Away. It's a shame. Yeah. And uh, and I just remember singing into the looking at myself in the mirror, singing, dancing around my room, you know, to this song. You were you were you, and, this uh, was your version of uh, Tom Cruise when his parents are away. This was the song. Yeah. I love Bank on Your Love so much. So 19. Yeah. So 1984. Then how old were you? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah. All righty. God, I hope you had a full head of hair at eleven. I sure did. <laughs> what was the year it started to break bad? Uh, probably didn't really start doing that until early twenties, mm-hmm. you know, when it would, I'd see it in clumps on the shower in college oh. and stuff like that. So yeah, 21, 22. My roommate in college, Mike Arnone, still friends to this day. He's a, he's a taller guy and he, um, and he was, he was pretty much bald in college. He was. Mm-hmm. And the first, first day of college, we're walking down the hall and someone goes, Hey, whose dad is that? <laughs> and so for the rest of the four years, his nickname is dad. That's his nickname. Sucks. Dad. I never called him that, but everyone else did. That sucks. <laughs> that does suck. All right. Uh, let's move on to track. Well, no, wait, you what? never said what you think of bank on your love. It's, this it's is the one song I've been chomping at the bit to talk about. Um, again, I'm not a big fan of big bamboom. I, I don't, okay. I don't think it's, as good as the two that came before it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an album track and I do enjoy it, but it, but again, it's, um, it just never, it just never yeah. resonated with me. It wasn't like, Oh my God, bank on your love. I just, yeah, it's just a song for me. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why, but it hit me really hard. Look, everyone's, yeah. everyone's got their songs that they love and other people are like, mm, it's okay. And uh, and usually that makes you mad when people say that you're like no you know what what do you mean this is the greatest mm, I guess not anymore yeah. um well let's move on to the uh, track f- five which is the third single went to number eighteen some things are better left unsaid. Top 20 single. What do you think of that one? I think it's a beautiful, beautiful ballad. I think it is so masterful. And uh, especially in their latter day work, 
on the So Close album, there's Don't Hold Back Your Love, which mm. is also yeah, that's really so good, strong. so good. I, I just think that and this one are like I think of them as almost like cousins. They're just these powerful, powerful mm. ballads that aren't s- sleepy, sappy at all. Like every time you go away, not to take anything away from that. That's mm-hmm. got its own charm too, but these ones have a little more muscle to them. I just think, and the dynamics in this song are so impressive. That's what I mean. Like, I'm surprised that they still play method of modern love, but not this, like yeah, knock this one out or even like missed opportunity. Off yeah. The next song, the next album, make that the thing, you know, I just, I love this tune. I think I like this song too, but I wonder if it would have been better serviced by the production style that they used on the change of season album. Probably, probably. And if they were to play it live now, that's probably what you would get. Yeah, more stripped they down. Are more the the change of season people now than they would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. I agree with you. And that good. was uh, that was a, a Daryl Hall wrote that all by himself. It's so uh, good. All right. The next song, Going Through the Motions, this has got written by Hall, Oates, Sarah, and Jana Allen. I assume a couple of bottles of wine were popped and... Uh, <laughs> And they just uh, just goofing around, and this is what they came up with. Here we go. Going through the motions. All right, what do you think, John? Well, are they going through the motions on this song? <laughs> a little bit. The side side two dips, you know, in quality a little bit, specifically yeah. because of. I think there are two obvious uh, fillers on on this, and this is one of them. Yeah, it's not bad. It's kind of it's kind of goofy. The I could see it being maybe if you were on like a you know in a, like a dance floor, mm-hmm. it's kind of sexy. It's got some good horns, good guitar on it and everything. Um, the whole beginning part with that do, 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 that's a little, that's a little veers a little too heavily on the cheesy side. Yeah. For me. So I don't hate it, but it's uh, compared to, compared to everything else. This is like a six. Yeah. The, um, some of these songs are forgettable to me. Like I would never like pull them out and just listen to this song. This is an album that I need to listen to as a whole. I need to listen to it as an album. I mean, I mean, I can pull out the singles and enjoy those on their own, but the rest of the songs, I need to listen to them in the context of the album. That's for me. Okay. The next yeah. one is, I just listened to this album a couple of times getting ready for this episode. And I, I can't, I couldn't tell you what this song sounds like to save my life. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's John Oates uh, wrote it and he sings it and it's called uh, cold, dark and yesterday. So let's, maybe it'll surprise me now. Sound so slow. I feel my body inside. I watch the danger zone. The sign of life without a soul. 
Yeah, that just doesn't do anything for me. Really? Is that the other filler one for you or no? No, no, I love, I love this song. Okay. I love it. All right. I will admit that in the context of this, kind of like the beginning of Voices, mm -hmm. the end of Big Bam Boom, there's a stretch here of, that, that can be a little, forget it gets kind of lost in the shuffle because I think it's bookended by two uh, pieces of filler, obvious pieces of filler. I love this song. I love the really kind of dark, moody, ominous mm -hmm. vibe to it. I love, and I don't know what it is. It's almost like scatting or something, but that sort of overlapping, you know, singing dialogue um, happening in the bridge and in the chorus is so effective. It's got some really great heavy bass. There's a really sexy sax solo on it. This is another one of my favorites of John's. I just think this song is great. But I could understand that it's not for everyone. It, to me, it's like it's one of the hidden gems yeah. in their entire catalog. You'd have to, you would never, as you were saying, you would never pop this one on on your own. Yeah. But if you were listening through the album and you did it and you stopped and thought, I think you might be surprised how effective this song is. I love it. Did uh, I wonder what it was like to be in the Hall & Oates band at this point? Because... You know, some some bands have the guys they record with, and then the guys they take on the road. But these guys, these guys were like a unit. You know, it was like the E Street Band. They were in the studio and on the road. I wonder if they had any say into anything. They don't have writing credits, but I wonder, or, or did they just like, well, these are the songs they wrote, so we'll record them the best we can. I wondered that too. I do think there's because, like, I what if you're a little bit? What if you're G E Smith and you hate, you know? going through the motions, then are you just like, well, all right, whatever. You know what I mean? Well, yes, I do. I, I wonder that same thing. I do think they, um, like G.E. Smith is a, a joined Hall & Oates, but I don't think of him as like a core member. I feel like they have hired guns, a revolving door of hired guns that stick around longer than maybe some hired guns. Gotcha. Like, uh, you know, Jerry Murata is there for like four albums. Lee Sklar played bass on three 70s Hall & Oates albums. Right. You know, G.E. Smith is around for three or four albums. But when you think about it, it's Daryl and John. It's really Daryl and then John, John. and then T-Bone. Yes. And, and T-Bone might even for like importance rival John in terms of <laughs> yeah. like the musicianship and yes. what it matters. True. And then it's a bunch of people who come in and out but Charlie's still not, not a, Charlie's still in the band. Char, you're right. You're right. I forgot about Charlie. Charlie is amazing. And get your haircut, Charlie. You look like an idiot. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying for years to get Charlie to come on my podcast. What's the deal? What's he doing? You got I John on. Why can't Charlie phone in? That's what I keep saying. It's like I, I, I just want to talk saxophone with somebody. I miss the saxophone. <laughs> they don't do it anymore. Right. And, and if they do it, they do it ironically. And I just want to talk to the king and you've, of like sax solos. And you've tried, you've tried to get Rindy Ross. She plays the she, sax. I don't think, I don't know what the deal is. She seems like a nice person and people have put in good words for me. She must not check her Facebook messages <laughs> or her whatever comes in from the Quarter Flash website. No one's beating it. down the door to talk about Quarter Flash, but you and me. Except us. Yeah. And th so it's like, I, we just want to love you for an hour. Yes. You have better to do. Let me kiss your yeah. ass for 90 minutes, you jerks. I know. I How could you it. not like that? I don't get it. All right. Next up. Okay. And an uh, All-American Girl, written by Hall Oates and Sarah Allen. Skin tight, so light, 
Until, I don't like it until it gets to the chorus, but then when the chorus happens, I feel like it's a song from an 80s movie. Like, was this in an 80s movie? It feels like it had to be. Feels like it should have been. It should yeah, have been, this yeah. Is, this is the weakest of all of them to me. Yeah. It doesn't work, um, for me anyway. There's a there's a section in here where there's some rapping. Not good. Weird. Yeah. And then it ends with... Um, not that rapping's not not that rapping's not good, but when Hall and Oates try right. to do it or Joan Jett tries to do it, no. Yes, yes. If there's a time and a place, yeah. And, uh, Stay in your lane. And then it ends with like this. You can hear like a conversation or something that Daryl seems to be having with a girl or something, and underneath in the mix somewhere, and he's got he's he just. Uh, I don't know. He just doesn't talk like a regular person. <laughs> He's got like this soul man voice and uh soul man cadence of the way he yeah. talks. And it's just a little awkward. And so, yeah, this is the clunker. I was thinking about this. I have a theory. I've mentioned it on my show before. I'll probably mention it on yours too. I feel like the album that people uh, is their sentimental favorite is often the first one that they bought with their own money Yes. or the first yeah. one that they, you know, recorded from their friend or mm -hmm. someone gave to them whatever that first yep. thing and that's voices for me voices is and, that and album for me and exactly and big bamboom is it for me yeah and so that's why we feel so strongly yes uh emotionally about these albums we know i do anyway i know private eyes is a better album yeah, i know big it bamboom is isn't perfect but i it will never you cannot separate this album from its emotional impact on me no matter what yeah and so it becomes my sentimental favorite yeah i yeah like i cannot we can argue what what's the best album or worst album, but you can't argue with someone's favorite album. That's their favorite. I can't tell you yeah. this isn't your favorite album because it is. Yeah. There's no it's just wrapped in too much emotion. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, I, I feel this album closes out very strong. I love this song so, so much. It's so do I. it's it's why is it buried at, at track nine? though? I mean, why well, maybe it's buried because it's an effective album closer like you just said i might have i might have started side two with this song i don't know really yeah. um and this one charted let me check it yeah this is great where did this chart i'm looking it up because i don't have this memorized like 33 or something like that well you can it's funny it's 33 but you can still say it's a top 40 top yeah, 40 well, hit for sure. but it's it, it did it and it was what the third or fourth Fourth single off of this album. Yep, and, and every every single charted lower, like Out of Touch number one, Method of Modern Love number five, Some Things Are Better Left Unsaid number eighteen, and Possession Obsession number thirty. I believe there were videos for all four of these songs too. Yeah, I remember the video to this one. He's a cab driver or something like that, if I remember mm -hmm. right. He looks like a cab driver. He that mustache. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Let's hear it. Girl, the more that you buy, the less 
All right. That's it. Such a great song. Good for John Oates. Put it. this in the set list. My thoughts exactly. Um, I wish they would resurrect it. I also think, um, again, one of the one of the downsides of being John Oates is that almost no one would ever choose to hear you sing a song when Daryl's available to sing a song. You know, and that's not but, to say that John Oates isn't a great singer. It's just that Daryl's no. a ten and John's a nine. Exactly. And uh, but the thing, both of now, I know, I don't, I know you didn't love Cold Dark and Yesterday, but that song and especially this song are perfect for John. Yeah, they're perfect showcases for John. Yeah, especially this one. Um, I love it, and I love the the ending that sounds like they've gone into the they're the Temptations, you know, and. Um, I've always felt like this album, you know, it, it needs, I wish it were one or two tracks longer, you know? Yes. Um, it always feels to me like there should be more to it than just these eight songs, basically. Yeah. But, it's it's um, a, sh- it's I, a short album for them. Yeah. Maybe not time wise, but song wise. And I wonder, you know, it was like we were, like we said, it's the end of their peak period. They didn't put out another album for like three years. Yeah. But they had been putting out music consistently for like 15 years at that point. Yeah, Actually, four years. Um, oh, yeah, is 88. 88. Okay, yeah. 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 Well, I was thinking by the end of the cycle of Big right. Bamboo, right. you know. But still, yeah, it's uh, they needed a break, and then they changed everything with Change of Season and never really looked back and yeah. seemed like they wanted to. I wonder if they were a little burnt out or something. I don't know. Well, Only that's, a, that's the thing, too. I mean how many hit songs do you have in you? Yeah. You, any people would, people would love to just have three or four hit songs, but when you have a whole set list full. Yeah. True. Um, John, wouldn't John have had another Africa in there somewhere or, <laughs> you know, isn't there some other goofy sure. thing we could throw on here? Yeah, I'm sure he would. Um, yeah. H2O sold uh double platinum, big band boom went double platinum. You know, th- those, it's hard to believe that those sold, a million more than Private Eyes is listed as just platinum. Really? Yeah. So much good honest, stuff. Even double platinum doesn't sound like enough. I would have yeah. thought these, all of these would have sold closer to like four. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe I'm looking at Wikipedia, so who knows? Um, let's talk real quick about how, how did RCA Records let these guys get away? After this That's album, the they go to... Uh, Arista for two albums. But I mean, wouldn't they have just backed up the the truck of money for these guys? I've wondered the exact same thing. The only thing I can think of is if they made it know, if they being Hall and Oates made it known to RCA that this is it, we plan on slowing down after this mm. and uh, taking it easy. And RCA was like, fine, then we'll just cut you loose. The thing, so stupid. Those same lines. I know the thing that shocks me even more is why now granted they aren't putting out music very often, but they're, they, their their hollow notes albums and their solo albums are on these weird independent I labels. Know. Yeah. And it's like, why are either of these guys, you know, if James Taylor can still put out an album on a major label or Elton John, yeah. uh, why not these guys, you know, like there, there's a, is it uh, Can't Stop Dreaming, I think, is the name of a Daryl solo album that was like only ever available in Japan? Yeah. Stuff like it's like, How is that? You shouldn't be dealing with that, you know? No. I don't get it at all, unless that's the way they want it. So there's a, there's talk of a new album. 
Yeah, I've heard that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really care if there is or not. I haven't really loved um, Our Kind of Soul was an okay covers album. The one before that, Do It For Love, I didn't love that so much. I did like John's last solo album, Arkansas. And I like, mm-hmm. really like Daryl's last solo album, um, Laughing Down Crying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Laughing Down Crying is great. It has the worst album cover Terrible. of all time. Yeah. Uh, it looks like something a child made <laughs> on a old computer for like someone's, uh, the leaflet you hand right. out at someone's funeral. And then um, the uh, the next song, the next album, I don't, I don't really like Ooh Yeah that much. I know. I know. No one likes Ooh Yeah. Like I, I like, yeah. I like the singles. I liked, I like Downtown Life, Everything Your Heart Desires, and Missed Opportunity, but I don't like the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But then I did uh, like Change of Season. I thought that was a real mature album. I liked it um, a lot. I don't like it as much as I like Ooh Yeah. Going back to emotional favorites. So the summer of 1988, um, I had been a a uh, troubled youth, and my folks put me in a rehab hospital the summer of 1988. Well, come on now. And I got to ask about that. What, you don't seem like you'd be a troubled youth. What, what were you into? Um, I was, you know, I was honestly probably a normal kid. I was mm-hmm. starting to, I was skipping school. I was failing classes. I was getting in trouble a lot. I was starting to experiment with drugs. And I had been a kid who was one of those kids who had to go like see the counselor or go to therapy or whatever most of my life. And my dad had, had always sort of threatened me with sending me off somewhere if I didn't shape up, but he finally did it. And so in the summer of 1988, I went to this hospital for that that whole summer. And uh, I'm proud to say I've never had any, I've never drank anything again. I've never gotten in any trouble again. I mean, it's been, uh, it scared me straight. But anyway, the point of me saying that was that my birthday happened that year and I got I got to come home from the rehab center for that weekend, and my parents had gotten a nice big stereo. So go to Music Land. You can pick out any two CDs you want. The first one I grabbed was Sgt. Pepper, and the second one I kind of wandered around. What do I really want? And I grabbed Ooh Yeah. Okay. That was my second pick. So that's why that album means a lot. Gotcha. Now you're breaking up a little, you're starting, you're starting to break up a little bit. I don't know. We, we've, we've been seamless so far, but now it, it's telling me connection unstable. Uh, Uh, Did you miss my whole rehab story? Um, I heard, I heard most of it. I think people will be able to decipher it. I'm going to leave it in. Okay. Unless you don't, unless you don't want me to. No, I don't care. Yeah. That's good. I'm okay with it. Unless you want me to retell it. So it sounds better or something like that. No, it should be fine. It should be fine. Okay. okay. Um, I've never done drugs in my life. I didn't drink. Yeah. I, I didn't drink till uh, till college. I think I drank. I think I had a, uh, some champagne after one prom, and I swore to God we were going to get going to be arrested. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you uh, talked to uh, Danny Korchmar, did you talk about the song "So Close"? We did. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that album too. Um, I mean, five writers on that. Daryl Hall. John Bon Jovi. George Green, who wrote with, is that the guy who wrote with uh, John Mellencamp? There's a George M. Green. Okay. And Danny Korchmar. So cool. I can't wait to hear those episodes. 
Korchmar is great. That one comes out next week. Um, they were all fun. They were all really fun. And, you know, I like talking to people, session guys like that, because they have these long resumes. Yeah. So you just cherry pick the things that you want to talk about. They all worked on a lot of the same stuff, though, like a lot of Jackson Brown, a lot of Linda Ronstadt, yep. a lot of James, James Taylor. Taylor. So I didn't want all four of them to tell the same story. Right. So I tried to kind of spread it around, you know, like Korshmar talked about Jackson and Linda and Don Henley. Okay. But the others didn't necessarily do that. And uh, Lee Sklar talked about Hall and & Oates and Phil Collins. But, the you know, and Russ Kunkel talked about can't remember Did you talk about carly yeah. with russ we talked a little bit uh i asked him about carly and he asked me to cut it out ah okay so he didn't want to talk about carly all righty yeah broke yeah, his heart he skipped over carly. she broke his heart yeah yeah and they did a lot of work with like crosby stills and nash so i was curious I don't remember which one of them I, but I tried to spread it around, you know? So tell me about the dynamic of Crosby, Stills and Nash. Well, I'm excited to hear it when their album comes out because, uh, as you know, I got to see those guys perform in December and they were, they were great. They were so good. I think I told all five of them that exact story. <laughs> I don't think I said your name, but I said, That's I okay. have friends in LA who have seen you live and they all said how great. It excellent. Was. Excellent. Okay, John, what, um, no, I don't have a playout song, so we're gonna have to revisit one of these tracks. What song would you like to to use as our playout song? I don't know. Is there a live version from the Live at the Apollo no, album? I don't. I don't. Could... I don't have that to use right now. I would have to put that in later. Oh, oh. Well, I don't want you to have to do that. Okay. What if uh, we? You can pick. I'm just gonna play. Uh, I'm just gonna play "Dance on Your Knees" right into. Uh, right into out of touch again is what I'll do. That's fine. That's what me. I think I'm going to do. So tell us, John, who's, who else is coming up? Who's, who's your dream guest, John? Who do you want to have on more than anyone? There are so many, uh, Steve Winwood's one, Kurt Smith from tears for fears is another, um, Anita Baker, minute cherry green guard side from screen, Politi. There are so many, um, I've been lucky though. I've been able to talk to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I Hine died this last weekend and we had him on twice. And I'm so incredibly grateful that I had two really meaningful conversations with him that people seem to love. Those are probably are now out there for people to find. And those are probably two of the longest interviews that he ever did. I would think so. I, um, I mentioned this on Facebook, but the second time we talked to him and I was thanking him for coming on and everything, he said, really, no one else is doing what you're doing. That's amazing. And to hear Rupert Hines say that to me, right. you know, means a lot. I, I, of all the things he's done, I don't know if he's done two interviews quite like the ones we did. And, and I'm proud of them. I bet, I mean, people that are going down the Google rabbit hole of Rupert Hine right now, you've got to be getting a, a hit on those episodes. It's, uh, we've had hundreds of more downloads the last few days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And it's just going to continue because people are going to go, oh my God, I've never heard this. So, yeah. Hope so it's great. How many episodes do we have of The Hustle right now? What number are you um, on? Well, if you count just by the Tuesday definitive ones, we're at 266. Mm -hmm. But if you factor in all the bonus, we're at 356. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
All right, John, I can't wait till you're here in LA again in person, or if by chance I get to Denver, we'll do it. And um, I miss you. I love you. Thanks for being my friend. And thanks for letting me do this with you, John. We're not friends. We're just, uh, we're just people that know each other. <laughs> define it define a relationship however you want no i'm kidding i love you too no i love you too i tell you i i tell people all the time what a great guy john lamro is and i say oh my god john lamro i love that guy i love i love the way you interview and i love what you do and i love when you're on the show and i always uh get um emails when we're on the show together and people were just like, oh, I wish John lived, I wish you guys lived together because you guys are so much fun together. And I know this isn't, this is different. This was fun. But when you and I are in the room together, it's really fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. Th- we find a really good chemistry there that not everyone has. And uh, I'm, I, yeah, I wish we could do it more often. Whenever people tell me that, I would say, you're probably lucky that I don't because I would just show up. <laughs> I would just camp out on your front lawn. No, like you would just, night. I would just have you on like a rotating person and because it's, it's so fun. And like the last time John was in, we recorded for like five hours in a row. Cause he, yeah. he was only in, we wanted to do like when someone's out from out of town, I'm like, we got to do like two episodes. So we just yeah. like block it out. But it, yeah. I mean, when we did that, it, it didn't feel like five. It felt like an hour. No, it was a blast. Soft hits of the seventies and Billy Joel. So yeah. as soon as we can all travel again yeah. and it makes sense, I'll come out there and we'll try and knock out two or three more. I would love to knock out three. That would be incredible. Yes. And uh, yeah, we, we, you do one then you go have lunch, then you come back, you do another one, then you have dinner. And, uh, right. and Pilar's Pilar would just be like, yeah, go yeah, whatever you guys want to do, whatever you nerds want to do. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you so much. I love you too, John. Uh, My best to the family. Uh, Safe travels to Utah. And uh, this is not a bonus episode, John. This is this will be in the Thursday lineup in a week or so. I'm proud. So uh, talk to you soon, buddy. And now I'm going to play out with dance on your knees into out of touch. Here we go.